This is the church, this is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Here at the church, here at the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. This is the church, this is the steeple. Open the doors, there's all the people. I invite you to pray them with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a break there for a second. Actually, for the rest of this morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever stopped to just really ask yourself, what does this mean, your kingdom come? You know, I've been reminded recently that we don't spend a lot of time really talking about kingdoms in the world in which we live. You know, here in the United States, we have democracy, we have president, um, you know, that whole system and everything. We don't have kings and kings. And throughout the world, you're seeing a decrease in some of the kings and kingdoms and all of that. We do have video games like... Um, as soon as I said that, I forgot the name of the video game that I was going to mention. We have television shows like Game of Thrones. We, do, we have sports where we talk about sports kingdoms like Chiefs Kingdom is a thing. And, and so we talk about kingdoms here and there. But do we really understand what this idea of kingdom is really all about? Jesus at one point, uh, he, was, he was talking to or he was reading to, I should say, some uh, people who were listening to him in the temple. And he read these words. Oh, come on now. Okay, there it is. He pulled out a scroll, which we just sang a song about how, you know, uh, actually, I take that back. We didn't read the song or sing the song. Dan read about a scroll being opened in Revelation. Well, this is a different scroll where Jesus is opening a scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he reads these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then in Luke chapter 4, verse 20, it says, He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. What does it mean to ask God to have the kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus liked to tell stories, to, to give examples of what it is that he was talking about. So this morning, partially in honor of Mother's Day and because many of us, not all of us, but many of us may have had that mom that they used to read us stories. My mom used to do that. And so partially in honor of that, but partially because Jesus used stories, and so we're going to use a story this morning. I would like to read to you a story throughout the course of our morning. So I'm going to do something that's very difficult for me to do, and I'm going to try and sit down for most of this this morning. Because if I don't, I will get really distracted, and I'll spend less time reading the story and more time giving you my thoughts on the story. So I'm going to sit as long as I can. I don't know how this is going to, how this is going to work. But this story is titled, Ryan in Love. Do we have any Ryans in here this morning? 
just to see if maybe this could be your, your story. Okay, no Ryans. So this isn't going to be their story in the past or the future. But this is a story titled Ryan and Love, written by a man named Bob. I didn't come up with the story. It's a true story. It's not my own story. But it starts out like this. We have a house down by the water, and there's a little grass path where couples hold hands and walk along the bay front. My wife and I sit on the back porch and hold hands a lot, too, as we watch the couples meander by. We're close enough to, a, to, water, close enough to the water that they wave to us and we wave back, a nostalgic snippet from another time where people wave to each other during slow walks. Any of you remember those times where people just waved at each other all the time? Where I grew up, everybody waved when you drove past somebody. This is how I met Ryan. One day, Ryan came walking down the path all alone. Ryan waved to us and we waved back like we did to everyone, but instead of moving on, Ryan just stood there on the path waving and not moving because he kept waving we kept waving and it was a little awkward honestly I wondered if perhaps this young man wanted to talk so to break the tension I made the short walk from the porch to the path to say hello hi there how's it going I said reaching out to shake his hand and give him a break from all the waving hi I'm Ryan and I'm in love he said confidently Ryan had that glaze overlook that smitten guys get. Well, Ryan, that's just great. Congratulations. No, 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 no. That's, that's not why I came, Ryan stammered. What I wanted to say is that I walk by your house all the time. And, and I have this girlfriend, you see, and he paused. I want to know if it would be okay... He paused again. If I asked my girlfriend to marry me in your backyard, he talked like he had been holding his breath for quite some time. I was taken aback by this love-glazed kid who would approach a complete stranger and ask to use his house to stage a great caper. But that's the way it is when you're in love, isn't it? All he knew was that he wanted the girl and was going to do whatever it took to get her. Maybe you've been around people who are in love, or maybe you've been around people who are just desperately in need, and, and you've realized that sometimes when you're in either one of those situations, either really, really in need or really, really in love, you ask for some really, really outlandish things. So that's where we're at with Ryan right now. He's on the, he's on the fun side of things. He's on the desperately in love side of things, asking for just outlandish things. Ryan... That sounds like a fantastic idea, I said, laughing. Really? Ryan answered. I guess he had expected an instant no or a gentler, I'll think about it. Sure, go get your girl and let's get these you two engaged. With that, Ryan went half skipping, half floating down the grassy path. I think his feet hit the path about every 20 feet or so. He was being strategic. He was being audacious. He knew what he was going to do. He was going to get his girl. A few days later, we were sitting on the back porch again. Couples were walking down the path holding hands. We would have waved to them and they would wave to us. And then came an animated figure bouncing and waving happily with both arms. It didn't take long for me to figure out that it was Ryan and I walked down to the path to greet him. Hi, Ryan yelped with his wonderfully goofy, glazed-over, I'm-in-love grin. 
Hi, Ryan. What can I do for you? Well, you know how I'm going to propose in your backyard? Yes, I remembered that. I was wondering if you think it would be possible for us. He did another Ryan pause, so I knew whatever followed was going to be a whopper. To have dinner on your back porch before I pop the question. I bit my tongue to keep from laughing out loud. I'd never even met Ryan before that week, and now he was asking if he could have a marriage proposal and dinner on my back porch. This kid has it bad. After a short pause, I shot back to young Ryan. What the heck? Of course you can have dinner on my porch, Ryan. That's a great idea. What can I make for you? I don't think he heard the question because off went Ryan down the path. He seemed to be levitating. Ryan was another step closer to the prize. He was all in. By now, I found myself looking forward to my afternoon encounters with young Ryan. Do you feel like you're back in, like, having the librarian or whoever read to you since we've got the illustrations for you and everything up here? I worked hard on that part. I'm just saying. It reminded me how fun it was to be young and in love. I even started coming home early from work to sit on the back porch waiting for him. And sure enough, Ryan came bounding down the path again, so I went down to greet him. Hi, Bob. Hey, I was thinking, and then the pregnant pause, would it be possible for me to have some friends of mine serve us when we are having dinner on your porch? You bet, I shot back laughing. I was already this far in with Ryan. What could it hurt to have a few of his friends over? What a great idea. How many would it take to serve you to dinner? I wonder this morning as we're thinking about the kingdom coming to earth, if maybe the kingdom comes to earth when we throw ourselves into meeting the needs of those around us. If maybe the kingdom comes just a little bit closer, when we throw ourselves completely in like Bob is doing, to saying, okay, let's figure out what else this person wants. What else do they need? Ryan looked up with a Cheshire cat grin and sheepishly said, 20? Did he just say that he wanted 20 people inside my house to be his servers? I was wonderfully stunned by the consistently audacious, I love the words Bob uses here, consistently audacious, almost vertical trajectory of Ryan's plans. What a great idea, Ryan. 20 it is, I said without hesitation. Ryan bounced away down the bayfront. A few days later, I was at my post, and almost on cue, Ryan came galloping down the path. Hey, Ryan, how are the plans coming? Well, he said, I was actually wondering if it would be okay if after dinner and after my friends leave, um, you could put some speakers on the porch and maybe we could dance for a little bit. Of course you want to dance on a stranger's porch, I thought. Speakers it is, I told him. Anything else? I was trying to get all the possibilities out of him now. Well, I think that about covers it for now. I'll ask her to marry me after we dance for a bit. Great idea, I said to Ryan. Go get that girl. And Ryan skipped off. A day or two passed with no Ryan sightings. I almost felt a low-grade depression sinking in on me. And then, almost as if on cue, Ryan came running down the pathway again. 
At this point, Ryan was a regular, and he bounded across the lawn and up the porch without any hesitation. I wonder if the kingdom comes a little bit closer to earth when we see past all the words, we see past all the requests, we see past all the actions, and we actually see the person in front of us, and we'd start to develop a relationship with that person so they don't have to sit there and give all the prerequisites ahead of time, but they can actually just say, hey, this is where I'm hurting. This is where I'm in need. I wonder if the kingdom comes to earth a little bit more when we get to that point. That's just me wondering. That's not in the story. He was pretty winded, actually, leaning over his hands on his knees, trying to catch his breath. I wondered if I should give him a paper bag to breathe into. After a few long moments, Ryan straightened up. There was a pause while our stairs met. I had learned that a pause by Ryan meant there was another whopper of an idea brewing in his head. Okay, Ryan, what's up? It's great to see you. How are the plans coming? Do you, he exhaled, have, he inhaled, a boat? (laughs) A boat? I was belly laughing as I asked him to repeat what I thought he just said. Yeah, do you have a boat? Ryan asked more confidently as he straightened a bit. Well, actually, Ryan, I do have a boat. I said with half enthusiasm and half awe at Ryan's love-induced, audacious bender. He had that glazed-over look again as he looked me squarely in the eyes. Well, can I borrow it? Ryan was out of control. He had no idea what an outrageous thing he was asking. He was completely unaware of and unimpeded by what was proper, what was acceptable, and what was conventional. So many times, I think we get caught up in how people are asking a question. So many times I think we get so caught up in whether or not we think that what they're asking for is appropriate that we, we fail to see the person who is sitting right in front of us. And I think that maybe the kingdom comes to earth just a little bit more when we stop seeing the problem and we make sure that we're seeing the person right there. You know, I... I have the, the urge so many times, and I'm sure many of you do too, where we see somebody asking for a need, and we actually, we don't help out somebody who's hurting and someone who's desperate simply because we're afraid that if we do it, we're going to encourage them to continue living in that lifestyle. We're going to continue um, contributing to other people, living, you know, living off the government or living a, a lifestyle that we don't want to endorse. And so we, we begin to hesitate to see the hurts and to see the person because all we see is this big problem. And what happens when we begin to look through the problem and see the person? When we begin to look for how can we truly help this person that's sitting right in front of us? Maybe the kingdom comes to earth just a little bit more. Okay, Ryan, the boat's yours, I said. I'll take you and your girlfriend out on my boat after dinner at my house, after your 20 friends finish serving you, and after you dance together on my porch. You can pop the question to your girl up on the front deck of my boat. What Ryan didn't realize is that I had decided to one-up him. 
Why should he have all the fun? That night, I called the Coast Guard and told them about Ryan's elaborate plan and his glazed-over enthusiasm for his girl, which had swept him into a state of unparalleled whimsy. Ryan's enthusiasm was contagious, and pretty soon, the guy on the other end of the phone had caught the bug, too. The Coast Guard officer and I hatched a plan all of our own. This story reminds me a little bit of a story that we run across in Scripture in John chapter 6, where we see these two men uh, by the names of Peter and John walking up to a gate called Beautiful. And as they walk up to this gate called Beautiful, there's this man sitting on the side of the gate. And this man, he can't walk. He's lame in both feet. He can't move. And he cries out to them, do you have any money? Now, you've probably been in a situation similar to that. I know I have. To where somebody's crawling out to you, do you have any money? And Peter and John could have easily just looked at this man and done what I've done so many times in my life. And said, sorry, I don't carry cash. And kept right on walking past. Anybody else willing to admit that they've ever done that? Anybody else willing to admit that there have been times when they did that and they actually had cash? But they just didn't want to stop and deal with it at the time? That, man, that's when it really makes me feel guilty because I, I lied on top of things. But they could have easily given that response to, hey, I, we don't have any money. In fact, they did give him that response. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we give to you. Get up and walk. And the man got up and he walked. And now it's easy for us to read that story and be like, yeah, that, that absolutely sounds like the kingdom of heaven came a little bit closer to earth in that moment because these two men came along and they said, hey, I'm going to give you what I do have and what I'm going to give you is the ability to walk again. And we're like, yeah, but, but we don't walk around with the ability to just tell people to stand up and walk again. That opens up a whole discussion as to why we do or don't have the ability to, to heal people in that way. We're not going there this morning. But we can easily just read the story and say, I can't do that, and so that story doesn't apply to me at all. But what they did do in this story that we can do is they looked for a way that they could say yes to an individual who is in need and who is asking for some help. They couldn't answer the question in the way that the person wanted them to answer the question. They couldn't give him silver and gold, but they had something so much greater that they could give him. And I think that the kingdom of heaven comes a little bit closer to earth when we begin to, instead of looking for reasons to say no to things, we begin looking for the reasons to say yes to people. You know, Jesus, when we read in Luke chapter 4 earlier, he said he came to bring good news to the poor. He came to be here for the oppressed. He came to be here for the widow, for the orphan. He came to be here for the people who are in need. And we are called to follow him. We are called to do the things that he did. So when we do his things, when we do his will, the kingdom of heaven comes a little bit closer to earth, and that prayer that we're praying begins to come a little bit more real. But it's not an easy thing for us just to say, okay, I'm, just, I'm gonna say yes to everything. And I'm not saying we should say yes to everything, but I do think that we can begin to develop a habit of saying yes. 
And one of the things that we can do is that we can work just like as we see in this story that we're reading right now, Bob begins to get to the point where he doesn't make Ryan come to him, but instead he starts meeting Ryan out at the gate. Now he probably at this point doesn't know where Ryan lives, but he meets Ryan and he goes to him. What if we started looking for people who are in need of help instead of making them always come to us and asking for help? That's one way that we can begin to develop a habit of saying yes. We can recognize that we are not always going to be able to fix the problem, but what we can do is what we can do. I can't fix, and you can't fix, and we as a congregation cannot fix every issue that plagues people in our world today. We can't fix by ourselves the homeless problem by building homes everywhere and giving out money everywhere. And I'm, I don't know that that would be the solution anyway. But even if it was, we couldn't fix that all by ourselves. But what we can do is what we can do. What I can do when that person is in need of help are the things that I am capable of doing. And if I am looking for those, if I am developing this habit of saying yes, maybe it's the, when I run across the person who's asking for money and I literally don't have any cash, I'm not lying this day, maybe it's on that day I feel like God is telling me, hey, right now what I want you to do is I want you to ask him if he will meet you at that restaurant so you can buy him a meal or bring him back a meal. Sometimes we're going to get rejected when we make that offer. But we can do what we can do, and the question is, will we do what we can do? We can work on developing a habit of saying yes by seeing the person that is sitting right in front of us. We talked about this in the middle of the story. If we will look at the person in front of us, instead of looking all the time at the bigger, grander problem that the world faces all around us, we look at this person right here in front of us. We have several families in this church that are passionate about foster care. You know what those families can't do? They can't fix the housing situation for every single child. But they can do it for one. And so they do it for one because they see that one in front of them. They don't look at it as, okay, if I decide to foster this kid, then I'm encouraging other parents to not do their duty as a parent. And so I'm not going to do anything with foster care. Some people may look at it that way. Sometimes we look at things like, if I help out this one individual who's in financial need, then I'm really just encouraging people to, like I said earlier, to, to live on the government. Or maybe you're helping out that one that God has put in your path for you to help out. We had an individual come into the church several months ago. And truthfully, as we sat with him, we really couldn't figure out exactly what it was that he was wanting for help. Had a conversation with him probably 20 to 30 minutes and still don't really know what it is that he was wanting. But as I, as I walked out of the room with Dan, as we walked out of the library, Mike was standing out there saying, hey, where does he need a ride to? Because I'll help, him get, I'll help give him a ride and gave him a ride, I think, into Vincennes. I don't even know if you remember that situation, but I do. Gave him a ride into Vincennes. Did what he could do because he saw the person. We saw the person standing there in front. We can develop a habit of saying yes by stop 
looking at the big, giant issue in the whole world and see the person who is right there. And we can remind ourselves that saying yes to a person is not necessarily saying yes to the exact request that they made. Remember in John chapter 6, they didn't say yes to the actual request that was made. They said yes to the need that was put in front of them, the true need that was put in front of them. Jesus actually has an experience in John, oh, I keep saying John chapter 6. That was Acts chapter 3 for that one. So if you're looking that up, that was Acts 3. This one is John chapter 6. Jesus, in John chapter 6, we see this situation where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And we, actually 5,000 plus people. We have the number five. Is that, man, I, see, this is why I move. We have the number 5,000 because that's how many men were there, but we don't know how many women and children were there. We know that it was well over 5,000 people that Jesus feeds, and we talk a lot about this miracle as to how he fed them with just a little bit of bread and a few fish, and, and he feeds all of these people. But what we often don't do is look ahead in the story to the next time where people are standing in front of him and they're hungry. And they're asking him to do that same thing again. Hey, feed us. We're hungry again. And this time, Jesus doesn't give them food, at least not in the variety that you put in your mouth and you chew up and you swallow. Instead, this time, Jesus says, I've got something bigger for you. I've got, I've got a real solution for you today, one that you won't need again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you know what the people did? Most of them left. Sometimes when we say yes and we're actually looking for the ways to say yes that we're supposed to say yes, people are gonna say, I don't want it. And they're gonna walk away. And we have to be willing to accept that. But that doesn't mean we're looking for the excuses to say no. I think to, to develop a habit of saying yes, we have to listen to James chapter one and verse 19 when he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, don't do what men have a reputation of doing and listen to the first three words out of the woman's mouth and then say, here's the solution, let me tell you. Just listen. Just listen. And listen to the whole thing. And then speak, if it's necessary. Then speak. I think the kingdom comes to earth just a little bit more when we begin to speak less and listen more. And I ask you, what would happen if the church, this, and what goes beyond this, if the church didn't stop worshiping together like we do here, but it also remembered to worship him all week long in these situations that we come up in, in our jobs, wherever it is? What if the church continued to care for those within the group but also looked for ways to say yes to those who are outside the group? What if the church continued studying the Bible together, but it also began to follow the commands that are in that Bible that it studies together? What if the church was less concerned with its political freedoms and was more concerned with letting people know about the eternal freedoms that Jesus came to give to everybody? in the world, even those who think differently politically than you do? What if the church took seriously the commands of Jesus to love our neighbor? 
What if it did that? Maybe if it did that, we would see the kingdom come just a little bit closer to earth, and maybe we'd see more stories like what we saw in Acts chapter 3, and maybe we'd see more stories like we saw about Ryan and Bob. And I realize that you might be sitting there right now going, like, how did that end? What happened out of that whole story? I am going to read to you the rest of the story, because I think to see how the kingdom comes to earth, we need to finish the story. When the big night came, everything else was in place. The night was balmy, the air was clear, and I think the stars even came out a few minutes early to see Ryan's elaborate scheme unfold. Ryan and his girl came walking down the path. When they got to the white Nantucket house on the bay, he led her up the stairs and across the lawn toward a candlelit table on the porch. Ryan, what are we doing? Is this okay? Whose house is this? She whispered as she held his arm a little tighter. Ryan pulled out her chair and said that this was for her as he sat her down. The service at dinner by the 20 servers was impeccable. And the after-dinner dance was endearing as these two stood with arms around each other, slowly moving together on the porch. As they danced, they twirled and they talked quietly. By now, evening had fully set in, and the lights of the city mixed with the stars had gone home and invited all of their friends, telling them, You have got to see this. The evening was coming to its natural end, and Ryan took his girl by the hand, and they headed back to the path. As they got closer to the dock behind the house, Ryan gripped her hand, turned, and took her toward a boat that was tied to the end. Ryan, what are we doing? she half demanded. Come on, is all he had to say as they came onto my boat. I was at the helm, and they made their way to the bow. With the stars out in full view, we slowly motored out into the bay. And after a short time, we approached the spot where Ryan and I agreed I would stop the boat so he could pop the question. In a total coup de grace, Ryan had 50 more of his friends on the shore to spell out, Will you marry me with candles? Okay. All of you women who are sitting next to your husband right now, give the guy a break. Like, come on, most of us aren't pulling this off. Ryan, and plus most of us don't have a Bob in our life who are going to help us with all this stuff. So just give him a break for just half a second. Anyway, they've got the candles out there. Just in case he got tongue-tied or overwhelmed in the intensity and whimsy of the moment. With their flickering, with their flickering sign as his backdrop, Ryan got on one knee. Will you marry me? There was a gasp, followed by an immediate and enthusiastic yes! In this, the most special moment of their lives, neither Ryan nor his bride-to-be noticed that the Coast Guard had pulled in behind us with their firefighting boat, just as the officer and I had planned. I gave the thumbs up, the sign that she said yes, and he shot off every water cannon he had on the entire rig. It was a song in New York Harbor on the 4th of July with a Statue of Liberty in the background. But it wasn't happening there. It was happening for Ryan. Ryan and his bride-to-be let the mist from the water cannon settle over them like a thousand small kisses. Now, I have no idea if the wedding went off as smoothly as the proposal did. But what an incredible story of what can happen 
when we look for the opportunities to say yes, when people are coming and saying, I have a need. Maybe it's a young guy who's in desperate love and it's this fun thing. Or maybe it's somebody with a much more challenging story that God is saying, I need you to help this person. It doesn't always end well, and we know that. Sometimes, sometimes you get crucified for it, which is what happened to Jesus when he did it for us, when he did it for you and me, people who were in desperate need and who were crying out for help. He said, I know how I can help you. The Father's told me, we've hatched a plan. We're going to make this happen. This story with Ryan and Bob wasn't done by one person. And what you may be asked to do may not be the whole solution, but it may be a part of the solution, a part of pulling somebody into the kingdom as it comes a little bit closer to earth. So I have a challenge for you this morning. Um, ben, if you want to come back up now. Um, I have a challenge for you this morning. That as we sing this last song, and it's actually an upbeat song, it's not a, what we would typically think of as an altar call type of a song where, you know, it's more solemn and everything. Um, but my invitation to you is to begin right here, right now, asking God how you can say yes when he puts people in front of you. Because I know what happens with me, and I'm guessing it happens with you sometimes, when we get to the situation and we think, well, I'll know what to do when the time comes. And we don't stop and prepare ahead of time for what we can do when the time comes. And so when the opportunity arises to actually do something that God is asking us to do in the kingdom, we completely miss it. Or we come up with an excuse not to participate in it. Not because in the moment we didn't try to think of something, but because heading up to the moment, we hadn't really given it any thought whatsoever as to what God might have in store for that day. So my invitation to you this morning is to not leave this room without beginning that conversation with God. God, how can I bring, help you bring your kingdom a little bit closer to earth? How can I be a part of your will in bringing the kingdom of heaven closer to earth? And I'm gonna ask you to do that not by just standing up and singing a song, although I, I hope that you do eventually sing in the song, but you might not. I'm gonna ask you to do that by physically engaging and asking him. Whether that's coming up to these altars right up here or whether it's where you are actually turning around and kneeling at your seat and talking to him. Is there power in the altars? No. Is there power in getting on your knees? No. But there is power, I believe, in saying, I'm going to do something to physically engage in this because there is something in our bodies that connects physical action with mental action. And as you ask him that, participate in the song however you want to participate in it. But don't leave here and say, I'm going to ask him later to start preparing me because you know what? the first thing might come up while you're standing out there. God, thank you for being you. 
And thank you for giving us glimpses into your kingdom. We know we don't fully grasp it. And we know we don't fully grasp what it's going to look like, what it looks like now. But we thank you for those glimpses that you continually give us. And we pray that you would use us to be a part of bringing your kingdom here to earth. Amen. Woo!